Friday, February the 5th, 2010. 2010, that's right, and we're going to we're gonna hit you up about some Pittsburgh sports and um, other stuff you want to hear, all good stuff, I'm sure. Um, just uh, this week, we uh, the, our Pitt Panthers went down to Morgan Hole or Morgantown or whatever you want to call that uh, West Virginia nonsense down there. Down to Hoopyville. Down to Hoopyville. And got their basically their uh, hats handed to them, uh, but uh, I don't know poor performance on the, from the Pitt Panthers and um, an even worse performance from the uh, West Virginia Hoopy fans. Exactly, they were up to their old shenanigans and tricks again, and as they always are. This year has been uh, a great year for them, and getting the infamous notoriety that they have been getting. And once again, the fans were throwing all kind of objects onto the court during the game, protesting their calls. It was a disgrace to the university, and it was a black eye for the university as well. And it doesn't reflect well on the Big East when this, this stuff keeps happening. At what point does the Big East step in and do something about this? They should have did something a long time ago. And what is even more disturbing is the referees, because once the fans were throwing objects on the court the first time, the referees can issue a technical foul at that point in time, which should have been done, but they didn't have the intestinal fortitude to go ahead and do that. Yeah, they chose not to issue a technical foul right off the bat, which was uh, which shocking they to be, given, given West Virginia's uh, recent history of this these type of shenanigans. Um, the minute they threw stuff on the court, I mean, they should have, they should have teed exactly. up the crowd right there. Exactly. And then, followed by Bobby Huggins' uh, comical uh, lecturing of the of the crowd. Was, that was just grandstanding. It was right grandstanding, there. exactly it was. what it was. That's all it was. Now talk about being stupid. That's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, Bob Huggins was just stupid on that one. Exactly. Exactly. And then once uh, the assistant coach at Pitt, his name escapes Tommy Coach Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Once he got hit. Dixon should have just pulled the team off the court at that point in time and said, that's it, we're done. He could have got Grote and Hillgrove and Aiken from courtside, said, everybody, let's go in the locker room, load up the bus, we're going home. Because yeah. this, is, this is ridiculous. At that point, it's a big safety issue. If that quarter or whatever hit him in the face goes an inch higher in his eye, I mean, you could blind somebody. Yeah. It, 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 overall ridiculous. And it was also a ridiculous effort on the part of the Pitt Panthers just a poor display of basketball, if you ask me. It that, is. I mean, you you basically had two, maybe three guys out there playing hard, and the rest of the rest of the, and I'm referring to Gary McGee, Ashton Gibbs, and uh, and uh, Dixon. And those were the only three. Besides those three, no one else showed up that night. Um, I don't Dante, know if it's Dante a... Taylor, I don't expect to see him on the floor no, the rest of the year. He shouldn't be. He I mean, shouldn't. he he's going to be buried. Uh, he might see some. Some uh, garbage time up against Bobby Moe coming up next Monday. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're, this leaves Pitt now 16-6 and six overall. Decent record when you stop and look at it. 6-4 and four in the Big East. But when you started out with those yeah. five victories in a row, 5-0, and oh, I, it's not good right now. They're in, they're in a free fall, and they need to make it stop Saturday against the Pirates.
expect them to be at this point oh, in yes. the season. Yes, just exactly. how they got there is different, definitely. Yeah, it's not no what we thought. No one expected them to start out 5-0. and No one's expecting them to lose what, three out of four games. Exactly, exactly. It's been a roller coaster ride for them so far during the year, and hopefully they can right the ship yeah, so starting Saturday. So they got a rebound here against the, oh, the Pirates, Seton Hall Pirates, which we kind of already alluded to last week in our uh, in our, our inaugural uh, exactly. episode. Exactly. Then, like you said, we have Bobby Moe. Yes. That should be another win. Maybe they can tweak out some of the uh, issues they're having, both offensively and defensively, before that big rematch with the Hoopies. Yeah, West Virginia then coming up again a week from today, next Friday. Z-Dog are really excited today as we have a special guest interview coming up later in the show.
being said, everyone knew Ajax wasn't going to be back. At some point, does this start to fall back on the coaching staff? You know, not having personnel in place. I mean, clearly he has no confidence in Eric Evans, and nor should he have any confidence in him. Uh, Jason Duty is not a starting A10 point no. guard by any stretch of the imagination. He, no. I mean, he is what he is. Yeah, he's a good I mean, player. At, at what point? At what point does this start falling back on the uh, coaching staff? I think you got to give them a pass on this year. They're still a young team. You look at the, their roster, Duty's their only senior. They had a couple juniors and Saunders and Clark. The rest of these guys are, are sophomore and freshmen. you got to let these guys grow. That's that Sean Johnson. Looks like he could become a good player and just needs some, some time to groom. I think he needs to tweak his lineup. And it's getting to the point where maybe Billy Clark shouldn't even be starting. He's offense is just steadily going down. Instead of getting better year after year, he's going down and getting worse. I think he's shooting like 20% from the threes right now and maybe even like only 30% from the from the field. He doesn't get to the rack, so all his shots are jump shots, and he's just not hitting anything at this time. Yeah, it looks like Billy Clark overall shooting 24% yeah. from three-point land, which is yeah, not getting it done. And as, as a team, Duquesne's only shooting 25% from and three, that's, three. That's really hurting him. And he was their big gun last year with the shooting the threes and keeping teams honest. So, it, it, again, you're, you're saying we're the Duquesne's basically in a wait-and-see rebuilding type format. And this well, is they're still young. Remember, they had a lot of guys leave early for professional when Kojo Menza left out early. Sean James left out early. No, this, he didn't leave early. Sean James? Did he leave yes. early? Yes. What, one year? He one was only year. here one year. One year. But I'm saying you could have you better developed – uh, that, that, <laughs> the, the system. Right you, now they're trying to work you're, in You're really digging deep for Williams. excuses this year. I mean, I, my, my only point is this. This is what, year four of the Everhard experience? And every year they've increased their win right. total by seven games. Ab- absolutely, and I agree. So that that's even more reason why this type of year, where they're clearly going to finish at best 500, is almost unacceptable. This is not the point in a program where you're rebuilding. He's four years in. I know. I, mean, I know he's four years he, in. He's got more time now than most NFL coaches would even dream of. I mean, this. I, I, that's why I say I would not be surprised if you see Mr. Mike Rice Jr. at the helm next year on the block.
But I think I think he would do well at the next level, just his athleticism and his ability to get get to the rack. Well, okay. and he can do so many things. But maybe I mean, that's another regardless. He needs he needs to come back. Everhart needs to start working in non-conference games. These guys, he sits these people on the bench. They get no minutes. Then conference time comes around. People get in foul trouble. There are injuries, and then he has to work these guys in, and, and they have no court time. So next, no game, actual game experience. Next game coming up for the Dukes is uh, looks like George Washington. It's GW. GW looks like they're about on the exact same uh, trajectory uh, as the Duquesne Dukes yeah, this they're, year. They're, they're also two and six in conference. Two and six in the conference. Looks like they're twelve and nine overall. Exactly. Um, These are games that they have to win. Same, same as last week. That uh, Duquesne is up against the wall, must win game. You're looking at the the remaining of their schedule when they have George Washington, and then they got Massachusetts at home. That should be another win. You got a LaSalle team that's basically in their same shoes. That's three. They should win the next three games. These are really critical it's, games. It's a, it's, it's a telling uh, telling stretch of the schedule for the Duquesne Dukes. Like we can agree agree at that. That's right. Um, and for my for my taste right now, we've already spent wasted way too much time on the on the bluff. So uh, what do you say we move on to something probably nearer and dearer to no, all, one, one last thing. All of our one home. last thing on the Dukes. Go Dukes.
they um, need to jump on the chance to move to the Big Ten. Exactly. They got to move somewhere. Big Ten, ACC, go go to the <laughs> ACC. There's going to be a big change in the college landscape. It's it's inevitable. I uh, I actually, while I agree in principle with your um, with your what you're saying, I I can't. And it's, it's an emotional decision. It's a gut feeling. I do not want to see Pitt, A, leave the Big East, and B, move to the Big Ten. Um, mainly because I personally can't stand the Big Ten. I think they're a bunch of posers and know. overrated teams, which, again, that's an emotional decision. It's also based on the fact that, you know, what was it, five years ago, we were sitting here in the same spot worried about teams leaving the Big East, What's going to happen to the Big East? The Big East is a dead conference, and now look at us. I, I mean, we ha- we had we had a te- undefeated team playing in a BCS nationals game on New Year's what New Year's Day okay, day. Yeah, after that's New our Year's. automatic bid. Automatic bid with the, with a good chance to go in there. Now Brian Kelly went and effed it all up by leaving, but they had a good chance of knocking off a, a you know a top top ranked Florida team. Yeah, but remember um, the first. So, so the point is, I let me talk. I let you All talk right, for go ahead rambled and, talk. and go rambled. Ahead. The whole point is this: the grass isn't always greener. Pitt is good where they're at, and even if somebody leaves, there'll always be somebody to come in and backfill that. And you're calling them scrub teams. Call them what you will. Five years ago, we were calling Cincinnati a scrub team, and look, look where they're at. Now.
other big Pitt news this week is National Letter of Intent Day. Um, Pitt signed, uh, I believe they had a 24-player class. Um, some some folks were ranking them as, as high as, you know, top 15, almost top 10 recruiting classes. Scout.com ranked them number 15. Yeah. I mean, you take all that stuff with a grain of salt, but it's, it's good to see uh, Pitt hitting up there with a, a good recruiting class, especially coming off a fairly strong season, a top 15 finish in the polls. Yeah. Um, any any thoughts on the uh, incoming incoming players that you've seen there, uh, Mr. Z? Um, the the T.J. Clemens from uh, New Jersey is a big guy, and it seems like he's another one of those guys that wants that fond when he was a, a junior and before anybody else was really scouting the guy and looking at him as a legitimate D1 prospect. and He seems to have a knack for that, and that's what gets him the good players here at Pitt. He's able to find them early before these other teams even consider giving him a scholarship. Then when he gets them here, this Clemens, he's in the same mold as Greg Romeus. He's able to develop these guys and, and show recruits that hey, he can take you to the next level. And I think that's really helping Pitt and, and also the pro schemes that they use both offensively and defensively. Yeah, so, I mean, it's good news all around for uh, our uh, our number one favorite, uh, Pitt Panthers. Also, and some names of note coming in, uh, local product, uh, Todd Thomas, finally seems to have uh, gotten into the fold here after, you know, being up at the Milford Academy. Yep. So uh, we'll see how he works out. Uh, you know, Mark Myers, the uh, the quarterback out of Cleveland, another another guy into the mix. Um, so, yeah, and it, I don't it's, think it's, he was highly recruited either. Right. Coming out, so it's it's also good to see, uh, you know, not only just getting the local kids, but branching out, getting out to New Jersey. Down, got a couple of recruits out of the, the Matha High down there in the Washington, Baltimore area. So. Uh, Nobody out of Florida this year. Though. Nobody out of Florida, but you know, can't get can't get all the Florida. No, people. no, no. I'm just wondering if they're trying to change their scope because usually we'd always get a couple players out of there, good players. But yeah, so, you um, can't limit yourself to certain areas either, and they're not. They're going around getting getting top prospects, so that's good. Another uh, another hot rumor swirling around this week in the uh, Western PA uh, tri-state area is. Uh, one that I personally love to see happen, but we—I have a feeling it never will—is uh, Mario Lemieux and his ownership group with Ron Burkle, owner of the Penguins, uh, reported to have interest in purchasing the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates franchise. Um, any uh, any off the off the dome kind of great ideas out of, out of the Mr. Z Dog on this? Uh, that would be great move. That would be a great move for all of us fans because. With Barkle's loot, I think he's a billionaire. They'd be able to put some money into there because, as it's shown here in the in the city of Pittsburgh, people like the Pirates. They'll show they show up now, and this team has no chance of doing anything, anything. And people show up. If you put a winner down there, and let's not forget that this once one time was a baseball town before the Steelers in the, got good in the 70s, people will go. It's a beautiful park. It's a nice night out on the town. Throw a competitive product out on the field, people will go. And I think Lemieux can do that, and he'll put in place the right baseball people who know what to do and bring up the farm system, player development. Yeah, uh, I, I just think it's interesting that the, for the Pirates to get any kind of coverage.
had their uh, fan fest. Fan fest, and you know, you which know. is a joke, because I think they charge like ten. I haven't been to fan fest since like '99 season, '99 2000. Well, there's no really no reason to go anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's but nothing why to go would they get charge excited you to go to fan fest. Well, because they gotta make money. You know, they're all about the Benjamins. That's why they they don't open up their books. Yeah. Because from my understanding is that they're pulling in nuttings pulling in like over ten million dollars a year. So so the bottom line is is if, if the, the I believe it's the, closer to thirty, but I, I'm not too sure. Numbers are, are almost irrelevant at this point. I think what the, the what would probably be more likely for Lemieux to rather than go for the pirates is to go up and uh, the other uh, rumor swirling this week is go in by the Pistons. Oh yeah. Pistons are supposedly on the market. Mario Lemieux and Ron Burke will buy the Pistons, bring them to town, play in their new arena. Well, they need dates to fill. I mean, they need a lot of dates to fill. I'm sure Pitt and Duquesne will sprinkle in a couple dates. But other than that, what do you have? Uh, professional wrestling once in a while, and ice skating, the circus, uh, the monster truck products, fest, monster truck, motocross. But, uh, but there's a do ton you, of dates. Do you, do you think the Pittsburgh uh, area could support an NBA team? Only if they win. <laughs> Only if they win. <laughs> Because <laughs> everybody, everybody loves a winner. You know what, though? They probably would because I saw Mark Cuban's comments saying that he doesn't think the NBA could be supported here because of the Penguins and they would be going head-to-head with the Penguins. He doesn't think that was, would happen and work out. I think he's more worried that he never got the NBA team here. and he thinks, and he thinks I think deep down he knows it would work. It might take some time, like I said, and they would have to win. But I think it is possible. I, I would be shocked if it was successful, but I think if anybody can do it in this town, it's Mr. Lemieux. Everything he touches seems to turn to gold oh, around yeah. here. Um, saved the Penguins franchise at least twice, and uh, continuing to uh, put a pro- quality product out there for the Penguin fans. Uh, so I'd like to see uh, you know the, the Pittsburgh Pistons or the Pisces or the Pipers or whatever you want to call them. The Condors, you know, the... the uh, you know the whole deal, but um, I think with Pitt, I think what would help them is Pitt's success. Now I know it's college, but not, I think Pitt's success and everybody loves a winner. A lot of people jumped on that bandwagon who are maybe not basketball fans, fringe basketball fans, and now they become more of a basketball fan. So they're willing to give the game a chance and an opportunity to succeed. Okay, good point there, Mister Z. So email the show at the podcast show at yahoo.com. Keep it clean, folks. Our apologies to Steve Peterson. We were supposed to have a special interview with Steve this week, but we just ran out of time. Maybe we'll get you next time there, Big Stevie. Thanks again for listening to the show. Big Daddy and the Z-Dog will return next week 